This is Jason Holleran. I proudly served for 33 years, culminating as the Deputy Commandant at West Point. Put this on your calendar. World War II weekend inside Old Bethpage Village Restoration on Long Island. Scores of operational vintage armor in formation May 18th and 19th. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman invites you to join him in saluting America's greatest generation and all those who have worn the uniform in defense of our freedoms. That's May 18th and 19th, presented by the Museum of American Armor. Cats at Night. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is John Katsimatidis. It's uh, Cats at Night, the number one show at 5 o'clock. And I'll tell you, we're a TriCast. We're on WABCRadio.com, 770 on your dial, WLIR. And 9.70 a.m., The Answer. And uh, in the studio with us, we have a common-sense Democrat. We have Judge Richard Weinberg, a common-sense Republican, uh, Craig Eaton, 10 years, the GOP chairman of Brooklyn, and my sidekick here, uh, Lydia Serrani from the the great country of Albania, but she's an American citizen <laughs> now. So, uh, and uh, uh, we have a great show for you today. What do we have, uh, Lydia? We have a fantastic show. We're going to have Ernie Priot. We'll also have former state senator Jack Martins, Commissioner Ray Kelly about the latest crime stats, Dr. Mark Siegel on why he thinks John Fetterman there in Pennsylvania should drop out of the race. But first on the line, we have Professor Alan Dershowitz, just a couple of decades at Harvard Law, a Brooklyn boy at heart. And he's it's Tuesday. So that means he's back here at Cats at Night and his 50th book. What is it called? The Price of Principle. I look forward to every Tuesday because I get to talk to New Yorkers and get to talk to the brilliant people in the studio and to you and to Mr. Katsunatidis. So I'm thrilled to be on. By the way, uh, I did ask the mayor that you wanted to do a Brooklyn uh, podcast with him. What did he say? He uh, says he'll think about it. Well, I hope he thinks about it. I think it would be great to have a show just once a week in which everybody talks about Brooklyn. Who comes from Brooklyn? What was the Jewish community like? What was the black community like? What was the Italian community like? What was the Greek community like? We had a Norwegian community in our neighborhood. It was a mixture. It was amazing. Don't forget the Irish. Don't forget the Irish. The Irish and everybody. And, and, you know, I grew up with when Jackie Robinson came up to plate for the first time, when the Brooklyn Dodgers won the World Series in 1955. It was a great era, and we shouldn't forget about it. Brooklyn is a great it would have been the fifth largest, the fourth largest, the fifth largest city in the country if it was a city. Right. And, and the, uh, most, the uh, most influential. There's so many things going on, uh, yeah. Professor. Uh, I mean, one of the big things that we discussed yesterday, me and uh, Judge Weinberg worked yesterday. We 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 worked six hours yesterday, six on-the-air hours. Well, it's Labor Day. It should work. It's a That's day exactly of labor. Right. That's exactly right. And uh, one of the big things is the – the double standard uh, of what's going on uh, uh, with the, some of the arrests. Uh, the weaponization of the FBI. The fact that you had the FBI and they raided Baron Trump's bedroom. He's only 16 yeah. years old, yet they they have yet to go raid Hunter Biden. And then also the judge has granted Trump's petition for a special master. So I wanted to get your reaction on both fronts, Professor Dershowitz. Okay, well, first of all, I just agreed with my publisher to write a new book called Get Trump. And it's all about how the get Trump movement on the left has distorted the Constitution, civil liberties, anything goes. If you say get Trump, then anything goes. It doesn't matter how much you violate the Constitution. So I'm writing a book about that. How soon can we get it? 
Well, I You're living I it right now. <laughs> <laughs> so the New York Times yesterday had a piece condemning the judge's ruling and or this morning uh, condemning the judge's ruling and saying essentially all academics are against it. And then they quote like six academics who are against it without ever calling a single academic like me or like others who are in favor of it. And, you know, the Times doesn't report. It editorializes on the front page. It was such a logical decision. Of course it was. A man who is going to be running for president against the incumbent wants to have a special master to make sure that his lawyer, client, and executive privilege materials aren't disclosed. That makes all the sense in the world. And as far as delay is concerned, we have the 60-day rule. Justice Department's not supposed to do anything public 60 days before an election. That's just about today. Uh, 60 days from now, we'll have an election. And so, you know, I, I just think that the decision was so correct so logical, so common sense, and yet the New York Times says nobody's in favor of it. It's crazy. It's nuts. It, and, and quotes all the academics. I guarantee you one thing. If the shoe were on the other foot, if this were Hillary Clinton, whose house had been searched under the same circumstances, many of these same academics would be praising the decision. It's all about get Trump. In fact, Alan, it's, it's yeah. Richard Weinberg. In fact, if the Justice Department had been smart, Legally, they would have asked for the appointment of special master when they went in. I have three attorneys with me. I have a question for all three of you. Why is the Department of Justice so against having an independent review, a special master? If they did nothing wrong, why would they be so against a special master? I can answer that. I can answer that. This is Craig Eaton, Professor. Because the Department of Justice and the White House are weaponizing all of the federal agencies, the Department of Justice and the FBI. Professor Dershowitz, they, why are they against it? And soon, soon, the IRS. Yeah, eighty-seven thousand more of them. They don't want anybody overlooking, looking over their shoulder. They want to be the judges of their own conduct. They don't believe in the Roman expression, "Who will guard the guardians?" Their their expression is, "Trust us, we're the Justice Department." I'll give you a hypothetical. Let's assume that the taint team, this taint team of prosecutors who have lunch with the trial prosecutors every day and wink and nod at them. Let's assume they come up with a smoking gun privileged email in which Trump said, hypothetically, it didn't happen. And Trump said to his lawyer, oh, my God, I tore up some of the documents. I'm afraid I'm going to get indicted. Or that's privilege because it's about a past crime, not a future crime. You think that wouldn't leak? Do you think that the taint team that found that wouldn't manage to convey to the trial team that there was such that's, a letter? Of course, that's why you need a special master. Anybody, of course, would anybody trust the Justice Department not to disclose that? Or if they came across something salacious, oh, my God, he had an affair with somebody, with a Russian spy. Of course it would leak. It leak leak is the middle name of the Justice Department. And so you have to have a special Has master. Has the Attorney General, General crossed the line? I st- I still don't think so. I I think he's. Been I mean, I, 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 do you think, think that the president? Do you huh? think the president is putting pressure on him? No, I don't think so. I think he's smart enough not to do that. But I do think that you know a special master is essential. We should have special masters more often than less often. Maybe we need a special uh, counsel as well in a case like this because the man who's being investigated is the man who will probably run against the incumbent president. And that shouldn't be done 
unless there's clear and overwhelming evidence of serious crime, like in the Richard Nixon case. But there still are two issues. You have you have the appeal process. The Department of Justice said they're going to appeal it. And then we just have to hope we can get an independent special master. Well, there'll be a special master and there'll be an appeal. And I suspect yeah. the appeal will come back divided. I suspect they'll come back and say special master is OK, but uh, the delay was too broad and too extensive. The Justice Department should be able to continue the investigation as long as they don't use any uh, material that may be privileged. And now there's a Judge Cannon who actually uh, granted Trump's petition for the special master. She is getting so much backlash and oh, yeah. she's just oh, simply yeah. doing her job. I just I and and I know you said that Biden is pressuring the attorney general. But if Biden waived privilege, right, if he waived Trump's privilege, which I don't know how he was able to do that, then wouldn't he have some sort of inkling that the FBI, the DOJ was going to be in possession of some sort of uh, privileged or, you know, yeah. documents or information? So he obviously knew something was going on. Well, consider how stupid this argument is. And, you know, maybe the courts will accept it. The argument is that the current president can waive the executive privilege about a former president who is about to run against him. That now, means there's president? no such thing as executive privilege. Of course not. What president would ever conv- confide in an aide if he knew that two years from now, on the eve of an election, uh, his successor would be able to produce all of this material? No president would ever talk to anybody. By the way, do you, uh, Alan, do you recall yeah. a grand jury being convened? to uh, look at Hillary Clinton uh, on her 31,000 emails or destroying her no. computer or no. Obama holding why... back documents. I must have missed that. Yeah, that's why they have to have two standards before you can have an indictment. The Nixon standard that has to be so overwhelming that it's bipartisan support for impeaching or indicting. And the Hillary Clinton standard, you have to show that this is much worse than anything that was alleged against Hillary Clinton. And so far, that standard hasn't been met. I think what they're doing now is trying to go after Trump on obstruction of justice. What they're looking for is destruction of documents. Remember when they showed the picture of everything that was revealed and gave the inventory, there were some empty envelopes. And I think they're looking into whether or not those empty envelopes may have contained material that no longer is there. Uh, Are the American people, are they that dumb to to, to, to think that this is... I, I can't believe that this stuff is being done right now. It's kind of like an overdue library book. It's some sort of like technicality. I mean, there may or may not have been something in that folder. And if there was, we're going to commit a crime. And therefore, I don't understand what the obstruction charge would be when we don't even know what the crime that he was obstructing allegedly is. Yeah, but, you know, you don't need that. And that's why obstruction of justice is so powerful a tool. It doesn't have to be a crime that... You're obstructing. But, you know, it's not a matter of the American public smart enough. Everybody is so partisan. The New York Times does not know how to report a story anymore without getting their own bias involved in the story. And they don't understand the difference between page one and the editorial page. And where do you go to get your news these days? If somebody reads the news about the judge's opinion, as reported by the Times, they're going to say, oh, my God, what a jerk she is. How could she have done that? Every scholar in the world is against her because they didn't quote a single scholar or academic or expert uh, who's in favor of her opinion. Professor, Professor, this is Craig Eaton. While we're talking about the attacks on President Trump, look at Steve Bannon lost his appeal and is about to be about to be sentenced. Him and yeah. Stone and Manafort, that's a full court press against President Trump as well. 
And I think it's going to go up to the Supreme Court. And I don't think that case is over yet. How many FBI agents also said that the Hunter Biden laptop was a disinformation? Or was how many people said that? Wasn't there like a letter? And no, no, we had 51 intelligence, oh, 51, 50 intelligence officers, yeah. former CIA directors and heads of major intelligence mm-hmm. operations said there was all this information. Where's their apology? But it's a double yeah, standard. Well, it's a double standard, clearly. Apology, we need an investigation. I think an, investi- an objective investigation. And when you have the son of a president under investigation, that may be the perfect instance for a special prosecutor to be appointed. I generally don't like special prosecutors, but when you have the son of a president, yep. that may be necessary. By the way, what's taking so long from the Delaware U.S. Attorney's Office, Professor? I don't know. They're supposed to be, he's supposed it's to be. It's only very, four years. Give thorough. it time. <laughs> I don't know. What's <laughs> like a good wine. That, that is, wine. That is strange. But you know, uh, Professor, that, you, had the right, you had the right point. It needs to be a special master. It can't be the U.S. Attorney in mm-hmm. Delaware right. where the Bidens no. lived their whole spe- lives. It can't be. No, can't special counsel. It's got to be. Counts, if yeah. you do nothing Delaware. wrong, you shouldn't be worried about anybody overlooking your shoulder. I agree. No, but they, they're, look, they're in search of a crime, we should have that music that plays dun, dun, on, Stalin, on, yeah. on Law That's what Order. Stalin said. Stalin yeah. said. Show me show the man, man and, and I'll crime. show you the crime. That's what Joseph Stalin And anything's happened with Durham or they scared him away? No, let me tell you what's happening in Delaware, though. I practice law now in 31 of the 50 states. I just counted the other day. The most corrupt state, the most corrupt state was Delaware. Wow. Um, everybody knows everybody. Everybody works for the same law firm. The judges appoint their cronies. I have never seen a more corrupt state than this tiny little state of Delaware. I wouldn't trust the Delaware judiciary with anything. And uh, that's based on a lot of experience. And uh I'm not the only one who has that view. There's actually I, I agree with you. I've I've done I've done business in uh, Delaware courts, and I remember it was a it was a public company. I was trying to buy uh, Getty Petroleum, and we offered it was a New York Stock Exchange company, and we offered six dollars a share. New York Stock Exchange company, full cash deal, and and Luke Oil, the Russians, offered five dollars a share. Guess who bought the company? Mm. Give me a week. I'll get back to you. Yeah. yeah, yeah the Russians yeah. got the company. Yeah. Well, that's Delaware. Um, I, you know, when I asked for interpretation, you know what they said? They said, well, there's wide discretion for stockholders to make a decision uh, on who buys the, the company. I said, it's a what public I company. Is, I want to know which law firm represented the Russians because that usually will tell you who's going to win the case in Delaware. Because there are a couple of law firms that just basically control the state. The judges were from this law firm. When they finish judging, they go back to this law firm. There are a few law firms like that. And it's called home cooking. And the same thing with the bankruptcy courts down in Delaware. Well, the Luke Oil chairman just died in a mysterious fall from a a Moscow hospital last week. Well, he should have been looking at that window. He should have been on the lower floor. <laughs> That's it. Lesson well, learned. He shouldn't have bought that company in Delaware. Shouldn't have bought that company in Delaware. Lesson learned. Do not take a top no floor at the hospital. Falls. There are no mysterious falls in Russia. <laughs> <laughs> what about, Alan, what about uh, the Durham investigation on Russian collusion? What's happening with that? Well, it's just, I, I mean, I have to give the guy the benefit of the doubt that he is really doing a thorough investigation. And it wouldn't surprise me if he comes up with a a very thorough conclusion. Remember, too, the Justice Department says in the end, 
if you don't indict, you shouldn't even say anything. There shouldn't be a press release. There shouldn't be a conference. There should just be a statement. We have decided not to indict. That's possible that they may be that may be the result of this multi-year investigation, but maybe not. We're only guessing. Well, thank you, Professor Dershowitz, and uh, uh, God bless pleasure. you, and uh, God you bless too. America. And, and let's let's hope that uh, uh, the Justice Department has equal justice for all, because right now I am worried. Well, let me tell you, can I end with a joke? Yes, please. It's in the middle of the Soviet Union. I learned this from Anatoly Sharansky. Middle of the Soviet Union, the Czechoslovakian prime minister goes to Moscow and says, I want to build a department of the Navy. And the Russian guy says, what do you mean Navy? You're landlocked. There is no Navy. How can you have a department of the Navy? And the Czechoslovakian said, but you have a Department of Justice. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so you don't need a Navy. You don't need justice to have a Department of Justice. <laughs> Thank you, George Orwell. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so Thank much. You. And Thank now next, uh, are we taking a break or are we going to go to – okay, let's go to – is Ernie Priot on the phone? We have the attorney, the uh, former attorney general of the state of Pennsylvania, to give us an update. What the heck is going on in Pennsylvania? Uh, Ernie Priot. Ernie, oh, how, how are, are you? I, I saw videos on the, uh, on the Internet that uh, Trump was in uh, Wilkesbury last week, and uh, he did an event for uh, uh, Dr. Oz, and there was like 20, 30, 40,000 people in the in the, in the uh, stadium. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I saw on the same day, a couple of days before and after, I saw President Joe Biden, and there was three, 400 people. What's going well, on? Well, uh, let's, let, let's get some facts, okay? Um, uh, Trump appeared uh, um, for the first time since the raid on his uh, Mar-a-Lago residence uh, at uh, the, the Mohegan Sun Arena in Wilkes-Barre uh, on Saturday evening uh, on behalf of the Pennsylvania Republican candidates for Senate, which is Mehmet Oz, and for governor, uh, which is uh, Doug Mastriano, and for uh, a local candidate for Congress, uh, Jim Bognett. Um, so the place, I have to tell you, John, I've been, uh, you know, I ran for attorney general twice uh, and uh, I ran in 1992 when, when Clinton was running and, and then I, he won, I won. So we had the people split their ticket here. But that's, I have to tell you, I've been at a lot of rallies and a lot of Trump rallies. This is the largest one I ever saw. And it was electrifying. They, they welcomed uh, Donald Trump uh, uh, as, as, a, as a real hero for going through what he's gone through and what he's trying to do to make America great. Uh, there, were, there were people there uh, from all over the country, uh, mostly from northeastern Pennsylvania, and the, the whole first floor of the arena was filled with people. The, Bleachers were filled, the mezzanine, and then the third level was filled. There were people in the hallways. There were people outside. Uh, there were, uh, by my count, the place could only hold about 12,000. It held about 14 on that day. So 14,000 is the number I would go with. But when he gave his speech, it was absolutely electrifying. It brought the house down. Uh, the, the, he was so enthusiastic about America's future. The contrast that with the Biden dark 
speech where he he, he, he he humiliated Trump followers. He humiliated Republicans, and he pointed out America as a basically a a second-rate power. And he was standing there with the with the red behind him and the Marines, which I thought was disgusting. Joe Biden never held a damn gun butt up against his shoulder, and he's got Marines there. I fought in Vietnam for 13 months for him to say that. But I have to tell you, the difference is night and day, dark and light. Joe Biden is full of darkness and divisiveness. It's Joe Biden and the MAGA Republicans that are lifting this country, that's trying to lift this country. You can see the life in that crowd, the, the hope that they had, the faith that they had in, in the future of America. God bless America when you got people like that coming. People and there's the there were people there from from all over. There were there were farmers, there were factory workers, there were police. I saw police officers there. There were union workers there. These are not radical, violent people. These business people, um, uh, school teachers, all kinds of and professional people. There, there, there's nothing about violent about that crowd. All they and, and how many? And, and Joe Biden was in this, in town the same day. No, he was there um, the, a couple of days before at Wilkes College to deliver a speech on uh, on crime, which is rampant in the Commonwealth. Which uh, Josh Shapiro, the Attorney General that's running for governor against Doug Mastriano, has yet to curtail. We have murders that are setting records in Philadelphia. And, and 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 he has nothing to do but except originally support defund the police. Now all of a sudden, oh yeah, we're going to back the police. Well, that's just campaign rhetoric. You, uh, the fact of the matter is, between the Republicans and the divisive Biden speech, the Biden speech, it is light and day. General the Republicans were full of hope. Biden was full of darkness. General, it's, uh, it's Judge Richard Weinberg, sir. I want to ask you a question. You have an incredible crime problem going on in Philadelphia. Is there a power of the uh, state attorney general, a power of the governor of Pennsylvania to supersede the local DA in Philadelphia to protect the well, people yes, of Philadelphia? It's a very good point. As attorney general, I was often asked to bring in prosecutors when the DA recused himself. Or when a judge felt that there was such a conflict that he would ask and they would appoint the attorney general staff to go in and conduct the investigation. So far, that has not happened uh, in Pennsylvania because the, the, the court system in, is too intimidated in Philadelphia. The district attorney is uh, run by the criminal element, unfortunately. Uh, he's coddling criminals more than he is prosecuting them, I believe. And and thirdly, the governor, Tom Wolf, uh, is not willing to stick his neck out and say, we've, we've got to save this beautiful city. We've got to save it from the criminal element. They just, they just bury their heads in the sand and do nothing. There's, there's got to be a better way to get second, uh, get people into the, the biggest city that we have in Pennsylvania to help control the murder and the robbery and the assaults that are taking place hourly 
Ernie, there. Ernie Priot, how could anybody want to vote for John Fetterman? He is advocating to empty the prisons by a third. He wants to ban life in prison. He's got two convicted killers on his payroll. He can barely string together two sentences. He wants to legalize all drugs. Legalize all drugs. And I'm watching a lot of the social media videos. I see mostly African-Americans outraged by the level of crime. They're sick and tired of being killed. And they're sick and tired of the Democratic demean and divisive policy. So how how could anybody in their right mind vote for John Fetterman? He makes Bernie Sanders look like a moderate. Absolutely right. The fact of the matter is there's a the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette today came out in editorial saying we got serious questions about the ability of John Fetterman to conduct the affairs of state as a United States senator. We need to have him thoroughly explain his illness and his health problems. We need to have him do debates if he can. If he can't do debates, then there's something desperately wrong with that man. He's in hiding. We're going to have another Joe Biden elected because he stays in his basement or only comes out and does uh, does a couple of uh, events. Uh, the Pittsburgh event that he did yesterday uh, with Joe Biden had 30 people for wow. crying out loud. 30 Biden and Fetterman are in Pittsburgh in a union hall with 30 people, who are most of whom were staff. You Mr. go to the Trump rally, 14,000 people from every walk of life. Mr. Priya, this the is Craig Eaton. Has- um, I, I was the Republican chairman here in Brooklyn for 10 years and, and, and the vice chairman of the state for New York City. What are you seeing on the ground in Pennsylvania in this race? I mean, what do you think happens? Well, I'm going to tell you, I don't believe the polls. I mean, there was a lot of polls out, uh, folks, that said, well, this is a, a foregone conclusion that that Fetterman uh, um, is going to win and and Shapiro is going to win, uh, and that's not going to happen. I'm telling you, there is a movement that's taking place right now. It's palpable. It's full of energy. Signs are going up. People are talking. They're fed up with Biden, and they're fed up with what he's done to this country, and they want anybody that represents him to be thrown out. I don't think that there's this is going to be a blowout election, as uh, people have predicted. This is going to be a very, very tight election. The is Fetterman is Fetterman going to debate at all? I mean, uh, he's, he's refused to debate, right? That's exactly right. He won't debate because he's going to have to reveal that he can't put two sentences together. He can't. He can't think properly. In order for him to make a speech, he has to have cue cards sucked up in huge letters in front of him. Sounds like Joe Biden. A reporter tried to ask Fetterman a question and his wife played interference. He can't even answer a simple question from a liberal reporter. It's really getting crazy. You think our streets are dangerous? you got to go to Philadelphia. Oh, I know. That's what the general and I were talking about. You need to supersede that We have about uh, 30 seconds before we have to go to a hard break. Ernie Priot, what is your prediction uh, for for Pennsylvania, for the race? Well, Donald Trump energized the electorate. You can't win Pennsylvania unless you got the Donald Trump electorate energized and the T, the middle of the state, all the way up into the northern tier out there for him. If that happens, Brett Fetterman is going to be a loser Thank you. and so Shapiro. Thank you, uh, Ernie Priot, and we'll catch up again real soon. Thank you so much. And right now, uh, we're going to have a special report from Lou Dobbs on how the markets are doing. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Breaking news, WABC. 
And just days after banning uh, gas-powered vehicles in 10 years, California's grid operator has just issued a level two energy emergency alert. They're advising Californians to be ready for potential rotating power outages this evening as electricity demand may hit an all-time high. (laughs) And and they want to run 50 million new cars, electric cars, by 2030? And ban gas-powered cars. By 2035. And and, and, and the CEO of General Motors is going along with that. Let me tell you something. I personally will probably short General Motors. I mean, if they can't handle the electricity, the demand now, what what are they going to do if everybody has an electric car and they're telling them not to power them overnight and now other states want to follow? And some states ridiculously passed a law saying that whatever California law is, they will follow it. And the governor of Virginia, Yonkins, has decided that he's going to sue on that because he's not going to let the the state of Virginia go along with that kind of ridiculous proposal. It's a joke. You're going to put all these car manufacturers out of business. What about all the people no, that have cars? The, the president is telling them they must <laughs> they must do electric cars. And they how, have to get extension cords into the neighboring states then so they can run their cars. But how is it legal for the president of the United States or, say, the governor of California to attack an, an entire industry and put them out of business? This you could need affect- a balance of power. The only way you can stop this nonsense going on, power, you yeah. need a balance of power in Washington. And this November, when people are going to the elections— Think about what the heck is going on. Think about what you're pl- paying for gasoline and for food and if and what's going on in the borders. And now OPEC, they, they're lowering production, right, yep. John? So you're, yep. you're- I mean, they made fun of President Biden. They said, oh, we'll give you 100,000 barrels, which is chump change. How long does 100,000 barrels last, John? Very, very, very. John, you're an energy on expert. How disastrous would this ban on gas-powered vehicles be? I mean, they're talking about 100 million Americans could be affected by this. In Florida, how do you drive out? And aren't these electric uh, battery plants and factory? Aren't they still? They still need gas. We're never going to be Chinese. We have a guest on the line. Why don't you introduce him? Okay, former state senator Jack Martins is on the line. He's running for election to the New York State Senate to represent District 7 in Nassau County. That's Long Island. And uh, Judge Weinberg, you know uh, State Senator Jack Martins? I've had the pleasure having him on the Long Island Report. Senator, how are you? I want to talk to you about about congestion pricing. Another ridiculous policy. Well, they they wake (laughs) up every day and they come up with another bad idea that hurts the public. Tell me what you think about congestion pricing and the impact on the people out of Nassau. Oh, it's terrible. Uh, you're looking at it, another tax. It's uh, another uh, commuter tax that they're trying to throw on the suburbs, certainly here in Nassau County. They've tried before, and we were able to beat it back in 2010, and I expect we're going to be able to beat it again this time. Look, it doesn't make sense. You have a charge of up to $34 a day for people who are just trying to get to work, and they use the environment as an excuse for allowing it to move forward, that they need to get cars and emissions uh, out from central Manhattan. Well, where are those cars going to end up? They're going to end up in Mineola, in Syosset, in Manhasset, and in every other downtown in Nassau County. So you're going to substitute congestion and traffic in Manhattan for that right in our downtowns. Well, let me, no let me respectfully dissent a little bit, Senator. I agree that's going to be an enormous impact in terms of congestion in Nassau. But I submit to you, since 
they're saying that the boundary is going to be below 60th Street, Manhattan. You're going to have backups. 60th Street. <laughs> you're going to have backups all the way uptown. And you're going to have the cross wait, Bronx wait, where's Expressway. Where's that Prop 54? Uh, so, <laughs> so if you have a hold up in the Bronx, Brooklyn's broken out in fights. So, so you're going to have impacts not just in, in Nassau. Uh, and and have people are going to park in and, the Bronx well, and they're going to find their way be, to. Uh, traffic will be back, backed up to Jackson Heights. Is that the way it's going? <laughs> and the cross Bronx. And so if you have an electric car, though, that, that doesn't emit any carbon emissions. Will you be able to not have to pay the toll then? Do you get exempt from it? But, but you well, know, oh, no, because you know, it's a money grab. Senator, this is crazy. No, you no. know what the big problem is? That's what they this did This whole London. facade that this is going to stop the congestion. I drive in from Brooklyn. I'm going to just drive in. I'm going to pay the $30 a day. So a lot of people are just going to pay. So it's not going to stop congestion. This is all about raising revenue. I don't But I, I agree with you. It. It's going to kill Nassau County. It's going to kill the border of 60th Street. It's going to kill... I think states. people are going to say to their employers, I can't work for you anymore. Yeah. They're going to look for jobs elsewhere. I need to work remote. They're going to ask for raises. I can't afford to come in anymore because people are too afraid to take the train. It's going to be a hot mess. And so, Senator, what are you going to do about this when you're reelected to the Senate? Well, we're going to oppose it. First of all, um, the MTA has to learn to live within its own means. Um, you know, it's it's never enough. We've seen it before. Every year they need more revenue, and every year they become less and less um, able to live within their means. If you look at where we were just four or five years ago, the MTA budget today is $18 billion, and yet they're going to spend $54 billion on this five-year capital plan. Now, let's think about that for a sec. They haven't completed the projects that they had slated to complete by 2019. And they're already slated to spend another $54 billion. They're not competent, and we shouldn't be subsidizing incompetence in New York State. They did such a good job on the Second Avenue subway. How many decades did it take them to do that? And they're still not done. So let, let's, let's look at this. If you look at the MTA, look, Comptroller DiNapoli came out with a report that there's a $2.9 billion hole in the MTA capital plan. That $2.9 billion was money that the MTA itself didn't spend on its own plan, yet it wants to collect a billion dollars from Nassau residents and others in order to fill a gap it's already created. We're not spending that money on the Long Island Railroad. We're not going to spend that money on new resources for commuters. It's all to pay for the MTA's incompetence, and I say enough's enough. And what about fare evasion? Why can't they enforce that? And couldn't Hochul have, say, I don't know, not sent billions or whatever to the Buffalo Bills Stadium and help balance the budget more, more you know, accurately? I, I mean, mean we, and, we need more people to ride, Lydia. Right? You know what I'm saying? We need well, more people on the subways. People paying, are, people nobody's are afraid. paying, even the people that are riding. But I'm saying we need more people on the subways, and we're not going to get it until the subways are safe. Right. People are afraid of the subways. So we have so many problems here in New York City. I don't know how we're going to fix them. And, and, and the office to, buildings are still empty in Midtown. But, They're like they need 30%. To fix up, as Senator Martin has said uh, on other occasions, we need to fix up the Long Island Railroad, too. At the end of the day, this is all on Governor Hochul. She's the one that's 100% for it and pushing forward, and it couldn't be at a worse time. What do you think, uh, State Senator Jack Martins? Well, I think you're absolutely right. You know, um, this is a, a mistake of monumental proportions. The very first speaker on the first night of hearings was my opponent, Anna Kaplan, and 
She said it's a wonderful idea. She's fully behind it, and it's a wonderful opportunity for Long Island. And that just shows how out of touch they are with our Long Island communities. It's as if they don't breathe the same air we do. They don't live in the same communities we do. People are suffering. We're heading into a recession, and we need to do more to support our small businesses and provide people with opportunities, not hit them with another tax. Hold the MTA accountable. Make sure they live within their means and begin to treat taxpayers respectfully. Allow people to earn their hard-earned money, keep their hard-earned money, and be able to support and raise their own families and not just have to hand it over to the MTA. We're almost out of time. Uh, we have to go to a hard break. Uh, what, what area are you running in now? Tell everybody. Well, it's, it's the 7th Senate District. It runs from the Queens line to the Suffolk line along the north shore of Nassau County north of Old Country Road, Jericho Turnpike, or the northern state. That, that so, was the area that had a revolution. In the, was, is that uh, Todd Kaminsky's old seat? No, no. Todd Kaminsky was down in southwest Nassau. This was, uh, this was my old seat. It runs from uh, Great Neck out through the Suffolk line to Laurel Hollow, Great communities like Glen Cove, Syosset, Woodbury, well, Port Washington, and of course my we, own village. We need common area. sense people. You know, uh, we need common sense people in office and uh, about crime and about congestion pricing, etc. Thank you so much, and we'll have you on again. Oh, looking forward to it. Thank Thanks you. a lot. Let's take a break, and we're going to come back with Commissioner Ray Kelly on crime. What a problem. This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night show. Now on the line for us, we have former NYPD Commissioner Ray Kelly. Ray Kelly, uh, Commissioner Kelly, you know, we were talking upstairs before and we were saying how you were probably, like, I think we can all agree you were the best com- police commissioner we ever had in New York City. I mean, are we biased in saying that? I mean, is that wrong? No, I'll, 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 I'll certify it. Well, I'm certified. Craig Eaton. I'm the one that said that. I'm the one that said that. Yeah, you're the one that said it. You're the one that said it. I swear to God. Judge, judge. Wait, we got to be certified by the judge. Judge Weinberg? I hereby certify. Yeah, we were all discussing it. You're certified. Well, thank you so much. Now, you, uh, question, I asked your son yesterday, and I had your son on the show yesterday, and he had me on his, and, and you almost became FBI director in 1993. And you turned it down because you thought it was too early. You became police commissioner. And what do you think of what the heck is going on right now? Uh, with uh, uh, There's been allegations of double justice in, in Washington. You have any gut feeling on it? or You, you, you can choose not to answer it because of... Yeah. But well, you're, you're uh, it, it, well, it looks to me... Like, there's nobody in charge there. How can this individual who just uh, resigned uh, last week, who's the head of the Washington office, be allowed to put all sorts of messages on, on, on the social media and not be disciplined? Or you can't tell me that the director didn't know that that was going on and that the director is not up to speed on these very important and sensitive investigations, but nobody seems to be holding him uh, accountable. I mean, it's just incredible. Don't forget what happened in 2016 with Strzok and the other FBI people. Now we have, in essence, a a replica of that happening. And I I just find it 
really unconscionable that nobody seems to be watching the store there. Uh, it's very disappointing. The FBI has done some good things. We've had some, and the NYPD had a good relationship generally with them. There's been some friction there over the years, but generally speaking, it's worked well. Is it this, political this influence? Shocking. Is it political influence because the attorney general still calls the shots? Uh, and Absolutely. Now, if you were if you were the FBI director, because I said it yesterday, I thought that Christopher Ray, if he disagrees with the political crap, I'm sorry to say that's going on, he should just stand up and say this X Y Z is going on, and uh, I, I just have to tell the American people what the heck is going on. Well, he shouldn't tolerate it. I mean, you know, objectivity was always sort of the, the, the bellwether quality that the FBI had or supposedly had. But and now it looks so politicized, obviously, at the top. But as I say, what happened the other day to me was shocking. What is what is Director Ray doing? That's happening under his nose. You know that if he's not reading social media, people are telling him about it. Yet this is, this is the person who is looking at Hunter Biden's laptop. And, you know, and of course, saying or, or somehow burying that uh, uh, that information, but then making political statements on social media you know, up till uh, you know, this year. So yeah. it looks to me like, it, it you know, nobody is running the, running the show or if it is, it's, it's, it's very much uh, politicized. And that's that's quite unfortunate. Commissioner, it's, uh, it's uh, Richard Weinberg. And you said it correctly. This is a redo of what happened years ago when McCabe, who was running the office of the FBI, had his wife running for the state Senate in Virginia. And hundreds of thousands of dollars came from the Virginia Party, Democratic Party, to her campaign. At the same time, he was investigating Trump. I mean, how did they get away with that? Yeah. Well, then he also denied that he was leaking to the Wall Street Journal. And then he later admitted it. So, you know... I just, uh, it's very disheartening to see what was a great institution uh, be so weakened and, and cheapened by, you know, regular down, <laughs> you know, political activity, things that, that you would expect them not to be, uh, not to be involved with. So, yeah, it's going on, and I think it's up to the director, and obviously, He's got a boss, you know, Merrick Garland is the one that has to, uh, uh, you know, call the shots there as well. But somebody, we never, we, we, we've never seen this before. I never saw this before. We all had a lot of respect for the for the FBI. It's going to be very difficult for them to get their reputation back. You know, Commissioner, this is Craig Eaton. And the FBI has been the premier law enforcement agency in the country for decades. And now, between the FBI and the Department of Justice... The weaponization of these two agencies um, is ridiculous. I mean, it's it's unconscionable. I'll use your word. It's unconscionable what's going on. I mean, I, I have no more respect for either one of these agencies. We need to get respect back. You're, you're absolutely right, but it's not not easy. I don't think it's going to happen on uh, not under this administration. I agree. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Commissioner. And what's your sense about what's happening in New York City in terms of crime? In New York City, this new statistics just came out compared to the same time last year. Overall, violent crime is now up 26 percent. The most remarkable change we're seeing it is in robberies. Uh, I mean, w- burglaries. 
I feel like we're seeing crimes we've never seen here in New York City before. The smash and grabs, the carjackings, the drive-by shootings. There's this sense of lawlessness that is happening in this city that is just kind of mind-blowing. Three words. Stop, question, and frisk. And uh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. It's a perfectly legal function, by the way, something that every police officer should have in uh, his or her toolbox. But, uh, yeah, you have a sense on the street that anything goes, that people are not worried about the police. They don't fear the police. They're going to do these crimes in broad daylight. And we see, I don't know if you saw the robbery that took place on 2nd Avenue and 91st Street, where one car hit the other car, drove it up onto the sidewalk. This is 2 o'clock in the afternoon. No, we called it Miami Vice. We we were were watching Miami Vice on television. When has that ever happened before? Never. No, I I don't remember, particularly in daylight. He runs over and takes his bag full of money, supposedly whatever it was, $20,000, but the, the temerity, the, the nerve, the husband to do that in public at, at, at 2 o'clock says there's something fundamentally wrong with uh, our approach to law enforcement in New York City. I mean, we know that. Yes, they're, they're, murders are down and shootings are down, which is good news. But the, the, the mugging crimes, the robberies, the purse snatches, the uh, auto thefts, those sorts of things are way up. And don't forget, we're talk- we're comparing this to De Blasio's last year, uh, not noted as a uh, crime fighter by any means. So uh, it, 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 it's very uh, disturbing, and uh, I don't see any light at the end of the Commissioner, tunnel. Uh, we have to go. We have to go to one more. We promised Dr. Siegel we're going to have him on, but we want to have you on because we have a lot more to talk about in the next couple of days, and I hope you're you'll be available. Okay. And happy birthday again. All right. Thanks a lot. Thank, Thank you. you. And uh, Dr. Mark Siegel, you had some some uh, news that you wanted to share with a, a million people in our audience. Well, first of all, I want to say happy birthday to Ray Kelly, and I don't, would never upstage the guy. He's unbelievable. You didn't know that. He's one good guy. And he's also he also an attorney on top of being the top this top police commissioner and it should have been a mayor and all and and uh, 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 on and on and on. I so, would have voted um, for him for mayor for absolutely. sure. Absolutely, amen to that. Uh, so listen, uh, you wanted me to talk about Fetterman, who you know the, P- the Pittsburgh Post Gazette is coming out today and saying, hey. What about health issues here? The guy had a stroke. The guy has a cardiomyopathy, his heart disease. You know, all of that is only germane to me if it interferes with his ability to perform the office of senator. And I've actually been saying this about all candidates going back to 2008 when they dragged me, uh, Lydia, to Phoenix to look over 1,200 pages of John McCain's records. And I said, what's this about? He was running for president, and they were trying to see if there was a melanoma recurrence, like flies at a picnic. And Mm -hmm. there wasn't any. Thing. And I said, okay, this is the McCain protocol now. And I published it in the Wall Street Journal. Candidates, we sh- should be transparent. We want to know about their health. So Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Post-Gazette is saying, is Fetterman fit to serve? You know, Dr. Oz looks pretty fit. I just wanted to bring that to your attention. I don't know the answer to that, but it's germane. It is germane. And I well, saw he's refusing. He's refusing yeah. to debate Dr. Oz. 
Well, and that's that's problematic. I mean, it's problematic. I mean, you know, look, I, I think I think that that the uh, that the U.S. public, the American public, has a very low opinion of Congress for a reason, isn't it? I mean, they're not going to debate. They don't write their own material. I mean, what do they do? They sign bills that 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 are called pork bills. I mean, forget it. And they don't read them. And, and they don't read them. Doctor Siegel, how serious was his stroke? Well, so that part I want to get some more info on, too. We don't even know. We should know. Well, because I want to tell you one modern medical miracle, which is that there is a window where you can go in there and reopen the artery, different methods. You can actually suck the clot out, and you can actually avoid damage to the brain. It's there. That technology is there, but I don't know if that worked or if, or, or if he had that. I, don't, I want to know what his ongoing situation well, they is. Well, did, they did admit he has speech problems. But you have to get in there quickly, right, Dr. Siegel, if you're going to do that within a certain amount of yes. hours? So there's a four-hour window Three, to yeah, really four hours, do okay. that. But you, still yeah. can, you can go afterwards, and yes, yeah. yes, it, it, the window is, a, is, is an issue. Well, Dr. But I want to know. Dr. Mark Siegel, thank you. I think we're almost out I'm of time. I'm not from Pennsylvania, I'm not, but I go there occasionally. <laughs> I don't have any cheesesteaks, but I go there. Okay. Thank you so much for Is coming Is he going to be at the gala? Are, are, are you coming tomorrow night to the gala? Are you kidding? Is Lydia going to be yes, there? Yes, we're going to finally okay. meet in person. We're going to take oh, a picture together. I look I forward to wait. it. And, uh, well, you know, God bless America. And what do we stand for here? Truth, Truth justice, justice, and the American, American way. way. God bless America and God bless the world. We do need God's blessing. Take care. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.